Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Sanbonan, Molweni, Dumelang, Absheni, Ndimacheroni, Mangwanani, Bonjour. That's that's about it. That's all I have. <laughs> yes. I hope I covered everybody this morning. Um, so I, I wanna I wanna go back to, to my roots and say And then you guys say, It's nice to be here. It's nice to be here. It's nice to be here. Amen. For the non-English speaking people, we just translated the same thing that I said. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And I'm so excited to be bringing the word. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm reading the word this morning, and if you're here for the first time, you're joining us on a journey. We have started, uh, we just started a new sermon series, it's called Discovering Your Ministry, and yo, it's, it's so fitting in so many ways that I was even part of this um, sermon series, because it's been such a journey, a personal journey in my life to discover what God has called me to do, and standing in front of you today doing this is, 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 a, is, a, is, is a testimony and uh, on its own. So I'm going to be sharing a lot about that and what God has been doing in my life because that's, um, that's the heart this morning to, to speak about how we can actually discover our ministry. So last week, Pastor Wayne started us off and he was speaking about, sure, he was on fire, man. I mean, I, I, I know we prepared together with Travis and everyone, but when he was preaching, the word of God is so beautiful. He, he stood here and he's like, I know that God is going to be having a very, Holy Spirit is going to be having a very different sermon in each and every one of us. So we, we can stand here and preach the word, but Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and he says what he needs to say for each and every one of us this morning. And I trust that he's going to do that. So anyway, I was sitting there and God was just speaking to me about, yeah, everything, like exactly what it, it means to, to be an ambassador of the kingdom. And that, for, that stuck to me more than anything else. What does it mean to be an ambassador of the kingdom? And I'm just still mulling on that. And while I was preparing the sermon this morn, um, for this morning, I, I, was, I was quite caught up in, in, in how he defined ministry, right? So I'm going to remind you guys, just in case you didn't watch the sermon, please do. But for those who, of us who weren't here for the purpose of the sermon, I want us to remember what he defined ministry as, right? Ministry is serving, right? That's what he said. But more than anything else, he went further and said, ministry is what you do to advance the kingdom of God. And that was so important for me. Because we can say ministry is serving, right? And we, we can get caught up doing a whole lot of things. But he said, it is what we do to advance the kingdom of God by serving with your unique gifts and talents. And that is so important. And then he made a reference to Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 12. He said that every member is a minister. I don't know if I was the only person that, that took by surprise for a while. The first time I heard that, I was like, no, but I thought ministers are these guys, the guys who stand right here in front. They are the ministers, the, the, the smalls, the pastors. But I'm a minister. And I don't know if, if that didn't move you or just flew you over and it didn't sit in your heart and made you, it made me a little bit afraid. I don't know. This is like, yo, that's deep. A minister of what? 
everybody has a place and a function in the kingdom. We need to see ourselves as ambassadors who are called in authority in the kingdom, but also to walk and serve the vision of the kingdom. And that's huge. That's huge. And what is the vision of the kingdom of heaven? It is to bring heaven on earth. Amen. And that is our call this morning. If, if, if you thought your life was about anything else, scrap that. This is the vision of your life, to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. The kingdom of God advances when? So I'm just doing a recap, right? The kingdom of God advances when? When do we advance the kingdom? When do we call to advance the kingdom of heaven? But how? When do we know that the kingdom of God is advancing? When the lost are reached. So in your serving, are the lost reached? In your doing, are the reached being discipled? In your serving, in your ministry, in your purpose, in your pursuit, in your everyday life, are the disciple people in your life making an impact? To the extent that you're doing these things, you are advancing the kingdom. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but that challenges me. But it also excites me. But more than anything, it gives me a specific purpose and vision to how to live the rest of my life. I'm 31, and if I live to 80, I want to spend the rest of my life from here onwards advancing the kingdom of God. And won't you join me? Is that something that we would like to do? But why? Why? Why do we need to advance the kingdom of God? And I think that's another, that's a, that's a whole sermon on its own, but I think these are the questions that we need to mull over. But this morning, I think the question that I want to answer is, oh, okay, that's well and good and it's exciting. But how do I do that? Okay. And um, I, I'm here to answer that. So this, the title of my sermon is How to Discover Your Ministry. But before I do that, I just wanna, I just wanna share a vision that I had. I think I shared it um, when we were, in 2021, I shared it, I, I went back and I, it was on the fourth, it was on, in July, and it was day two of our 40 days of revival prayer. Remember we had that period where we were praying for revival, and 40 days and all of us wrote our names and we went into the prayer room. I don't know if some of you remember, but God showed me a picture because remember, we speak, we're speaking about revival. We're in the time of revival. And Holy Spirit, sorry, every time I move, is that okay? All right. Um, and this word that I received was, was about the church coming alive. Remember, we defined revival as God coming near. And he has drawn near, and we feel him and we experience him. Not just in corporate worship, but in your quiet time. I don't know if I'm the only person whose quiet time has shifted. And you feel the, the, the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. There's a change in the season. Revival is imminent. God has drawn near. The church needs to come alive so that the lost are saved and the lost are reached. And that is what revival is, right? And so God showed me a picture of what happens when the church comes alive. I felt God that say that every Christian will walk boldly in their calling. Every single Christian will walk boldly in their destiny and purpose with authority and boldness. Every Christian will be set ablaze with the manifest presence of God. I literally saw people set ablaze 
walking around, setting the whole continent and the rest of the world ablaze. I felt Holy Spirit say that revival starts in the church building, it starts in the hearts of the people, but it's the people who take it outside. The church services and the gatherings are the furnace where we come together together and where we are fueled and we are lit in a good way, youth. Okay, lit up for Jesus. Before we run into the harvest field, I saw, a small, I saw small little fla- uh, fires all over the world. One small fire starting another small fire, almost like a matchstick. Christians set ablaze for God in their families, in their workspaces, in their neighborhoods, becoming fire starters. And I, I heard the words, revival is imminent. The church needs to come alive. Matthew 5 verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And, that's, and God has been saying that consistently. And I believe that God is equipping his church. And if you're not feeling equipped and you're not feeling the urgency in the, in the spirit to get equipped, sure, plug in, eh? Because you're going to miss it. And this morning... I, 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 I just had a sense that I'm going to say a lot of things that you've probably heard before. And, and my, my, my prayer is that it, it's not just another sermon. It doesn't, it doesn't just tickle your mind or you feel like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. But I've been really praying for a shift, a shift that can only happen when Holy Spirit touches our hearts and he makes them soft. And he releases us from the paralysis of being a church that is dormant and passive and watching the world from afar. I have faith this morning that God will set us ablaze. And not in a, in a, in a oh, we're so excited. Um, my mom likes to say, paraffini. like, you know, when you pour paraffin in fire, it just goes, and then it disappears. Not like that, but an enduring fire that sets the world ablaze. You've been a Christian for five years. You've been a Christian for one year. You've been a Christian for a month. But the prayer this morning is that whatever you receive, does not just tickle you and does not remind you of your good old days, but it sets you ablaze and set for, for the work that God wants to do. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, yeah. So I'm praying for faith. I'm praying for courage. I'm praying for humility. And I'm praying for obedience for all of us. Amen. Okay, with that being said, I'm just going to pray before I get into the word. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our midst. Thank you for what you're already doing, Lord. We know and we believe that everything good starts with your word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. With your word you release us, you correct us, you teach us and you empower us. Lord, I thank you that lives are turned around in your presence and in your word. Let your word this morning do what it wants to do. Let your Holy Spirit do what it wants to do. Let your Holy Spirit do what it wants to do this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus we've prayed. Amen. Okay. (laughs) So how do we discover our ministry? How do we discover how to advance the kingdom of God? How do I discover my place? How do I discover how do I discover what to do every day on a daily basis? 
It's hard. There's a lot that the world wants us to do. There's a lot that we can do in 24 hours. You wake up in the morning and before you know it, you're back at home and it's time to sleep again. And before you know it, you're 31. <laughs> the first point this morning is to get busy. Get busy and intentionally getting to know God. That's it? Yes. Get busy knowing God. Not the idea of who he is. Not who we want him to be. Not who we heard our pastor describe him to be. Not who your parents have told you God is. Not who your youth leader tells you God is. Get to know God for who he is. A correct revelation of God, who he is, his kingdom, what he expects of us, will naturally produce in us a love to serve in his kingdom. If we are called to advance a kingdom, we cannot advance his kingdom if we do not know the king. Knowing the king of the kingdom and knowing the ways of the kingdom that we are called to advance is naturally the first step. But how difficult it is, is it to get to know God? How difficult is it to sit in his word and to know him and to know him completely? And you do it and you're like, oh yeah, I think I figured who God is. And life happens. And then life happens. And then what? And then you have to go back to the drawing board every day, every morning and figure out who God is. There is a call to mature in our walk of faith, right? We come to God, we reach, we reach with the gospel. And it's so easy to stay in one place. I have a picture that I want to put up, right? A picture of the people with the thought bubble. And maybe some of us at some point, we can relate and we can figure out where we are at. Maybe some of us are being dragged to church here by our parents and we don't even know who God is. This morning there is a call for you to mature from that place. I don't know who God is and to get to know God for yourself. And maybe some of us do know God. And we, the God we were told is the God of the provider, the healer. And that's how you came to know God. And maybe the way you relate to God when you get into your quiet time is, what can God do for me? When you open that Bible, you are there mining for those promises. And there are a lot. But it's possible for you to stay there and be that Christian who just stays there. When you and God speak, we only speak about what God can do for me. But there is a call to mature from that place. Know the promises of God, that's good. We are children of God, we're meant to benefit in the kingdom. But don't stay there. And then maybe some of us have been saved for a while and we called and we know what God expects of us and we love his promises and we receive them. But the preoccupation of our, in our relationship with God now is this, all of a sudden there comes a time where you realize that you're, the, the standard is high. The standard is really high. Sorry, apparently I'm speaking really low. Can you guys hear me? Can I project? So apparently the standard is really high. You find out by able, there's a righteous standard that God has called me to live. And the preoccupation becomes your, what does God expect of me? And you find out a whole lot of things that God expects of you. And those things can paralyze you, right? Or they can challenge you. Or you can sit and you're just pendulum swinging from self-righteousness to self-condemnation. And your whole life and your whole salvation becomes about trying to overcome sin. 
And every time we speak to you, one prayer because you're struggling. <laughs> and your whole walk with God can just be about that. When we ask to serve you, all you can think about is all the sin. Because God expects you to live righteously. And that's good to have that revelation of who God is. Because he is pure. He is righteous. But in your knowing and getting to know God and what he expects of you, read and find out that there is grace to live the life of victory and righteousness and pass and graduate from that. Get to know God. Get to know God. And it, it, it stops becoming about yourself at some point. You realize, hey, I'm never going to get to a point where I'm pure enough or mature enough or, 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 or righteous enough to do the things that God is wanting me to do. Right? Let me just walk in this grace that is called here. And then you think, okay, fine. What can I do for God? Then it's like, yo. And God has already told you, maybe you had in your quiet time, someone prophesies over you, yo, you called to the nations. And then you're just like... I was more looking for like hospitality or oh, uh, that's not what I want to hear you know but in discovering how to what God expects of us I mean what you can do for God grab a hold of what God he will answer you he will tell you what he wants you to do let, not, let that not paralyze you and don't get stuck there now what can I do for God every year you're coming to the front you want to figure out Pray for me. I want to figure out what God wants me to do. Hear and obey and do what God has called you to do. God is giving you dreams. God is giving you abilities. God is giving you so many things. So in your knowing God, graduate from what, Lord, what can I do for you? And he tells you. And maybe some of us are, yeah, we were obedient and we jumped out, hey? We felt God and we were on fire. Started a ministry. Moved. And then we became like Peter who jumped out of the boat. And, and we drowned. And that's very real. That happens. And then you're at a point in your life where you're figuring out, Hi, did I hear God correctly? Because it is going south. But don't let that paralyze you again. Move from that place. Go back to the drawing board. Figure out what God wants you to do. Figure out again who he is. When we understand correctly who God is, what his kingdom is about, we realize that it's not even about ourselves and naturally it produces a love to serve in his kingdom. Amen. 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 <laughs> it is impossible for us to discover, let alone live out our purpose, or let alone minister in any way without a constant living, thriving relationship with Jesus. Ephesians 2 verses 10 says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The good works are in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, we, if we jump ahead and we speak about all the things that you need to do and we only know serving, then we can serve from a place of pride. And, 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 and wanting to, 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 you know, be all sorts of things. We've seen it go really wrong when you know the good works that you're meant to do. God is never going to take away the gifts that he's given you and the abilities, right? But we've seen what happens when those things are done outside of Christ and the things that he's called you to do. The other thing that we risk doing when we try to rush ahead and do the good works that God has created us beforehand 
is that we risk being like those Jesus described in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, where he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you prat, for you who practice lawlessness. Imagine, guys, you were so busy. Amen. You were on, you were on mission trips. You were serving with the youth. You were, I mean, you were on fire. Then God says this to you. Jesus says this. Hi. <laughs> but it's possible. So I remember the first time. So I took a year off, which then became two. So after I finished my undergrad, <laughs> I, I finished my undergrad uh, in university. And I decided to do the serving and leadership and training program in the church, right? Where you just give a year of your life serving in church. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing, but I just felt God tell me to do that. And also I was confused about what to study in postgrad. So I was just like, you know what, let me just wait there by the church. So I did, best year of my life. But one of the things that the, the guys who had done SALT two years before me said, Magabongwe, um, wonderful guy, you'll meet him in July when he comes. He said to me, Asipe, um, it's so important to be able in, in this walk of full-time ministry to be able to differentiate between your time, what you do for God, and your relationship with God. Because it's so easy to get caught up doing the things of God and neglect your relationship with God. And I thought that was so random. And he was saying it so deeply in his Magabongwe voice. And I was just like... <laughs> And that was the first month of the serving and leadership training. And I was like, okay, hold on. But man, Holy Spirit in, in, in his faithfulness made me remember that and keep it because lo and behold, you I got busy. Who knows that the needs of the church are endless? The serving is endless. And especially when you are part of full time, this, 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 that, 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 that. And you can get so caught up before you know it. You haven't had quiet time for five days. And even when you are getting into the word, you're getting into the word to pour out. And then you realize, I haven't had an intimate time with God. I didn't spend time with Jesus. I haven't spoken to God intimately, that face-to-face -face encounter that we meant to have with God every day, every morning. So the first point is to know God. Before we rush ahead to do things for God, Know the king before you advance the kingdom mandate. Amen. How do we get to know God? This is for the benefit of the young people. How do we get to know, the, how do we get to know God? We get to know God by seeking him, going into his word, going into, in prayer, prayer and the word. For a very long time, I was better with the word than I was with prayer because prayer for me was an emergency button. Oh God, fast, quick, help. <laughs> you know? No, 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 but that's true, right? Because it, it, it's like, I, I, I got into the word because I, I, I am generally a reader and I want to know and, and it can very easily be. But when you pray the word, when you combine word and prayer, man, man, 
get into the word, and there's nothing else that will ever speak. You have an issue. There's something going on in your life. But are you praying, though? And some people don't want to hear that. Don't tell me to pray. I pray. But pray. Don't, don't give me a scripture. But it's the word. It's the living word of God. There's nothing else that we can. Our weapons of warfare are prayer and the word. And that's it. And they are mighty. And if that's boring, and if that feels like I care, I don't know. It's the prayer and it's the word. Seek God and his word and his prayer. In, in, word, in his word and in praying. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the way you discover the ways of God is in his word. Spend time in the word, young people. I started spending time in the word when I recommitted my life when I was 16. So the first time I got saved, you know when you're born in church, Bukosi? <laughs> There's a point where you decide to get saved for yourself. So the first time I got saved was 11. I remember very specifically the gospel piercing my heart and God, and God I really, really wanted to go in front. Something that happens when you want to go in front, sometimes it feels like there's glue on your feet. And when you lift up your hands, is it me? Is it just me? Oh, the, the, oh okay, well, it's just me. The youth are looking at me like, like. And I just wanted to lift up my hands because, you know, the pastor's saying, calling an altar call, come to the front. And I really wanted to. And fortunately for me, I had a mom. <laughs> and she literally pushed me to the front. This is how I went into my altar call. And I went, and I'm so grateful she did. That was when I was 11. But when I was 16, I recommitted my life because I understood the word of God again. And as I got into his word and I read his word, there, be, there was this, this, this different, ooh, this move in my heart to, to be discontent with the things of the world. And I remember thinking, okay, I'd already chosen the wrong subjects, God. I'm here, I'm 16, I'm doing maths, physics, and bio, and I'm just like, yo, what am I doing with my life? I'm passing, it's okay. But there's this obsession about getting into the sciences, doing this, and I felt so empty thinking about my life in that direction. And I was like, Lord, what have you created me for? What am I supposed to do now with these subjects? I'm stuck, you know? Surely... Besides being stuck, fine, I'm passing, I'll, get, I'll pass, I'll do well in matric, I'll get into university, I'll probably get a degree, I'll get rich, I'll get a husband, I'll have kids, and then what? Yeah. Then what? Then what? And there was nothing, there was everything in my 16-year-old mind and heart was like, there is more to life than just this. But also in my 16-year-old mind, I didn't know what that more looked like. All I knew is that I'm going to seek God and his kingdom and everything else will follow. And that's the first scripture I remember memorizing and taking it on as my life scripture. Father God, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know how. 
but I'm just going to seek you first and everything else will follow. And that's been, that's been what I've been doing. One day I'll tell you about my life story. Yeah, oof. Yeah. <laughs> I threw myself in the word, prayer meetings. There's someone, you need someone to set up the chairs. You need someone to pick up the litter. You need someone to cook for people. I don't know how to cook. I'm here. I'll pop. You need someone to look after the kids. And that's what I've been doing. More or less. <laughs> but do you understand what I mean? Church is not for adults. The kingdom is not for your mom and your dad. Church is not just for Sunday. You need to find and know God for yourself, for who he is, not the idea of who he is. Amen. 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 All right? That's, that's, that's my first point. That's my first point. Okay. <laughs> ah, I, <laughs> I only have two points this morning, Ted. I only have two points this morning, and, and, and I, I wanted, I, I didn't want to start off so excitedly because the, the second point is more in my element, right? more up my, my psychology. Um, but I think one of the things that God just spoke to me about as I was preparing here is there's already so much of know yourself, discover yourself, self-awareness, self-love, self-whatnot being preached outside in the world. And the thing is, it's preached without Christ. And so I really wanted us to start with Christ and then come to the self-awareness part of things, right? So the second way to discover your ministry is to know your shape. Look at your neighbor and say, know your shape. Are you a triangle? Are you a square? Are you a pear? Are you an apple? (laughs) And really, what this is, I'm going to speak about what shape is. It's actually an acrostic. It's a word. um, Each letter stands for a a word that I'm going to get into this morning. But... Discovering your ministry does require us to discover the way God created us. How are you wired so that you can walk in the good works with God, which God created beforehand? And guys, the journey of self-discovery is exhausting and it is tiring. You think you figured yourself out, then you turn 31 and you're like, who's this? Do you know what I mean? But God doesn't leave the task of, getting to, of, get, of us getting to know ourselves up to us entirely. It, it, it feels like a tricky puzzle, but it's not. He is so kind. He tells us in his word already that he knows us and that he create, before he even created us in our mother's wombs, he knew us. Isn't that beautiful? That should just take away the anxiety. Hmm? When you go into that therapy room for those of us who want to start therapy to figure ourselves out, you know, the therapist is there, but God is the one who's doing the therapy and being the great counselor who's getting, introducing you to yourself. He's so kind. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That was God talking to Jeremiah. God has sanctified you and he set you apart and he has ordained you for a purpose. And you need to believe that. Otherwise, you will do everything that the world offers you to do. 
He tells us in his word who we are. He did it to Gideon. He did it to Saul. He did it to Moses. He did it to Peter. Gideon was hiding. He comes and calls him a mighty man of valor. Who are you? Where are you? How do you see yourself? And who God, how does God see you? What do you say when, when, when people speak things in your life? I mean, I've had so many random moments in this church where people just say things that are totally opposite to what I see myself as. But I'm so glad I had the faith to grab onto those things because I believed that, okay, God, that's what you're saying about me. And some of those things have become a reality in my life. Getting to know yourself is a process that requires humility and reliance on the Holy Spirit because he begins to show us the vision of ourselves that he has created us, not who we think we are or who people have told us we are or who the world has defined you as. The world is so quick with labels. I mean, even your family, you haven't even gone to school, but you're already called Spanias. That was my nickname because I had really big eyes, you know? I don't know. It wasn't by my close family in case they were watching. It was just you know, random relatives. <laughs> but I always grew up so self-conscious about my eyes. Oh, my paparish. You know, because you, yep, yep, that's a fly. I don't know. I had so many names. I don't already. Because, <laughs> ooh, yeah, pap, you talk a lot. You're too mad. And so you have all these labels and you have, a, you, have an, you have this thing about you. Oh, this is who I am. I'm the shy one. I'm the, hey, who has God created you to be? Who has God created you to be? Understanding who God made you to be helps you to discover what he has called you to do. Then you don't shrink back on things that God has called you to do. In order to help us better understand who God made us to be, I found this acoustic by Apostle Rick Warren, and he's the guy who wrote A Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if you guys have ever read that book. And um, with it, there's been a lot of practical tools around helping Christians discover they, they, um, they, they shape. And what shape really stands for is that the S stands for spiritual gifts, right? Five ways that God has shaped us. He's given us spiritual gifts. What has God supernaturally gifted you to do? There are supernatural gifts that God has put inside of us to equip us for the things that he's called us to do. And the H is for the heart, right? What do you, what do you have a passion for? What, do, what is your passion? A is for abilities. What natural talents and skills do you have? Personality, P is for personality. What does my personality best suit me to serve? And E is for experiences. So what is your shape? What are your spiritual gifts? What, are your, what is your heart? What does your heart beat for? What are your abilities? What is your personality? Do you understand yourself? And what experiences have you had? Right? So I'm going to speak a little bit on each one of them, and I'm going to be just making examples. But essentially, that's what it is. Discover your shape. Know God. Know your shape. And I'm going to get started on spiritual gifts. Like I said, I'm not going to go into detail about spiritual gifts. There's so many books about them. There's, of course, the BFC does a, a video on that as well. But get to know. And the scriptures, the scriptures are there in 1 Corinthians 12, um, Romans 12, 4 to 8, Ephesians 4, verses 10 to 11, and 1 Peter 4. And like Pastor Wayne said last week, I don't think we can necessarily limit God to all these things. Because there's so many things. This is the God of the universe. There's so many things that God has given us 
But I've been doing such a deep dive on the, the, the Romans, um, the motivational gifts, and it's so interesting. It, it's such interesting reading to, to find out what motivates you as a person. So I, was, I, I did this, this assessment and, uh, for the third time, and more or less the same things came up. But this time around, I think I was drawn to the fact that I have the gift of exhortation and encouragement. And just reading up on that, I was just like, wow. And it made so much sense for the first time in my life because I just thought encouragement was like, you can do it, champ. It's so much deeper than that. In the spiritual realm, in the kingdom of God, how have I been wired to be an encourager? And so when you do go into this deep dive of spiritual gifts, go with, 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 with such an open mindset, not just to take off, right? Oh, I can speak in tongues and I prophesy and I do it. And it only happens here in the confines of the church. How has God wired you to be an encourager, a teacher, an evangelist, a pastor, an administrator, and, 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 and a leader everywhere else? Because ministry is not just what happens on a Sunday. It's your whole life. Amen. So ways to discover our spiritual gifts. Serve. It is easier to discover your gift through serving than to discover where you should serve through your gift. We, we, and I mean, you know, we obviously don't want an ear trying to serve as a toll, you know, in the body of Christ. If you're an ear, do what you need to do here. We don't want to mismatch people, but we can stay in a place of paralysis and think, I just need to figure out what my gift is, then I'll know exactly. But get serving, okay? I figured out that I love teaching children when I joined kids' ministry. And now you can't take me away from those guys. Those are my people. Read and study. Ways to discover your spiritual gifts. Read the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about your spiritual gifts? And the beautiful thing, the third one, is just ask for others for input. Are you in a connect group? Are you in community? Are you rooted? Are you connected? There are things that people will see in us that we don't see in ourselves. People close to you, around you. And the, other, and the, and the last one is, is, is my favorite one, my, my, my forte, um, taking assessments. Quite interesting work, that assessment-taking situation. Um, but when you do take these assessments, ask Holy Spirit to, 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 to help you answer very truthfully. Because sometimes you find that people will answer um, uh, with, with who they want to be. Who are you now? <laughs> and answer that very truthfully. So one of my least um, um, gifts, right, the percentage was, was the gift of giving. It, I'm not supernaturally graced to be a giver. <laughs> Do I want to grow in it? Definitely. Do you know what I mean? But I answered very honestly. Sometimes we would like to do the things that are going to be asked in those questions. Um, do you like to share the gospel? Do you have a desire to share the gospel with people? You have it. How strong is it? And how often do you do it? Okay. So honestly, when you answer and you do these assessments and ask Holy Spirit to show you exactly where you're at, and you'll get a proper representation of what your spiritual gifts are. It goes, it, it's the same as um, your, the, 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 answer, the questions about your heart and your abilities and so forth. Um, I don't know how I'm doing on time, but yes, essentially that, that, that is, 
that is what it looks like. And um, there is a link that I want to share with you guys to go do the free shape test, but there's also really beautiful PDFs that are more detailed that I'm going to share with you guys through the church um, WhatsApp. But really, please, it takes an hour. It can be a bit tedious, but it's, wor- it's an exercise that's really worth doing. Getting to know not just your spiritual gifts, but having a conversation with Holy Spirit, and he tells you how he's wired you. Man, when I was doing this thing, God was reminding me of dreams that I had forgotten. Things that I was just like, yo, when I was a kid, I wanted to do this. Why? What ha- why had God put that in my heart? He reminded me of, a, of how I even, even started, I ended up going post-grad and choosing psychology, and specifically educational psychology. And remembering why you're doing things and knowing why you're doing things is so important. And it changes your mindset because you know you have the backing of heaven because you were designed and called for a time such as this. So when it comes to the heart, like I said, it is what, is, what are you passionate about? Think about the things that drive you, right? Think about what pushes you into action. There are things that in your heart you just like, that immediately needs to be done and it's sorted. Think about the people that you most want to help or be around. Where do you want to be? Like I said, for me, the people that I gravitate towards are, def- are children. I, have, I, have, I love people in general, but my grace goes from zero, the infants, to the 25-year-olds, the Gen Zs. Everyone after that, my grace, my grace is, is low. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But there are people that are called to young adults and they burn in their hearts, young adult ministry or old people, people who will go, people in prison, people who are sick. I, I, I love health, but I love mental health. I cannot be a doctor. I, uh, the sick, that's, I'm not graced for that. That's why I wouldn't want to work in a hospital. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Which people, which, what, what people are you drawn to? Which people do you know that you can influence the most? an age range, an affinity group. Maybe your heart, because of your experiences, now you, you, you are, you, you, you like students who are at risk uh, academically, and that's your ministry. Do you know what I mean? There's, it, it can get as specific as, 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 as specific as we, as our experiences and as our gifts. Find that out. What are the needs that you feel most drawn to? What are the, what are the two top needs that you love to meet for people? It's so interesting to see. We can see one person, we're looking at the same person, and I can identify Two very different needs from what you identify. Person comes walking through, you probably see, yo, this person needs clothes, this person needs this. But I'm looking into their eyes and I'm just like, yo, this person needs prayer. Or this person is broken. And there's things that Holy Spirit is telling me and there's a need that I pray. And I'm just like, how's your heart? This is me. That's the need that I'm drawn to. I'm interested in the mental health. I'm interested in what are the needs that you feel drawn to meet in people's lives? And where could I make the greatest impact for God? Where you are at. Maybe you're at a church and there's no prison ministry, right? And you know in your heart, your heart burns for people who have been incarcerated. Find a space, a time, people, groups where you can do that. I think it's important for us not to just limit ministry to the ministries that are in the church, right? Or the the things I listed. It's things that we can do in where, where we are at. Yeah, you guys are so quiet this morning. This is not how you behave when Pastor Wayne is here. Hmm? <laughs> um, oh, okay. 
All right, I'll take that. I'll take that. That's encouraging. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm used to being with the kids. You go and you go and then it's just like I had them had. Yesterday, my grannies. That is all this interaction. Ah, <laughs> uh, and that's the heart. Do you understand the heart? What beats? What? What? Find that out. And some of us probably have to dig deep because our, our hearts have been hardened. Maybe you tried. You're like, I have compassion for the street kids. And they showed you flames. <laughs> Does it happen? No, but it happens. Do you understand what I mean? And you push that thing dead, dead, dead to the back. You're like, never in my life. But it's probably still there. Ask God, Lord, what and how do I intervene? What do you specifically want me to do? Guys, have you seen people who are operating in their grace in the ministries that they've called to? And they just do it so, and you're just like, hey! I would have given up on this person. They, 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 they left rehab for the fourth time. Do you understand what I mean? Or they quit school again. And you're taking them again to apply. Do you know what I mean? That we are, we are graced for different things. And the things that God has called you and the people that God has called you, you hold on to them and you do it. Because that's where you call to advance the kingdom of God. Campus ministry is tough. Students don't respond to your messages. They don't come to connect group. But will I stop coming to connect? Will I stop serving in, in campus ministry? Maybe I might just ignore them for two, you know, days. But I'll call them again and dig because I'm called to them. Amen? Let's look at abilities. Another indicator of where your ministry lies is when you see and you you find out what you're really good at and what naturally comes to you. And I think sometimes we overlook these things and we only mention them there by the CV for work. Soft skills. What, what, but what are your actual things that you're really good at? They don't want to know their, uh, their CV that you can cook. But the kingdom wants to know that you can cook. You can cook for a reason. Do you understand what I mean? They can, they can be a whole ministry. So I, I, I recently mm, got married. And so... <laughs> And cooking is a ministry, guys. <laughs> and it requires grace. <laughs> some of us have more of it, some of us, you know. But I think one thing I did just a little bit before, I think it was a year before, I, I, I saw, um, I love delicious food. I'm not very good at cooking. But, but Auntie Claire is. And she's amazing. And I was like, you know what? Auntie Claire, can I just come to your house one day and you just give me a quick course? Do you understand what I mean? That was ministry. That was beautiful. If Auntie Claire wanted to, she could just do that. And I found out that there have been women, young girls who've just come, who've just taken recipes, who've just come and she's taught them how to cook. And and, And when she's teaching you how to make that chocolate, she's talking about her life. And it's beautiful and you're learning. And she shows you her house and she shows you her grandkids. And... What that does for a person, you don't know. I'm reached, right? But in that moment, I'm being discipled. And how did she reach me? With her skill of cooking. 
Do you guys understand what I mean? <clears throat> so what are your abilities? You can run. You love to run. You ran the comrades. There are young people here who probably need to run. And they might actually get in there because they have so much energy. Disciple the youth. Maybe you can't disciple the youth in, in, up there on a Sunday, KG. But you can grab them and you can run at the beach. <laughs> you know? You're doing what you love, but you're advancing the kingdom because you're discipling the kids. Can we think like that? There's a whole lot of skills that God will show you that you'll have. There's some that we will learn, some that we naturally have. But do the things that you're good at. Find your strengths. Use them. How can I use this for the kingdom of God? And the last, um, second last is just personality. Let's talk, talk about personality traits. And this is a big one. Because we, I'm an introvert. I, I don't evangelize. Yeah? Can't reach the gospel. Can't preach the gospel. But you can to one person, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Understanding your personality and where it best suits you to serve your ministry, in which ministry it best suits you to serve in. But I think one thing that God was just pressing in my heart when I was speak, thinking about personality is that, again, like I said, the way we grow, up, we grow up shapes a lot of things about us, including our personality. There are some things in our personalities that we hold on to, and there are certain traits that we really hold on so tightly, but they're actually maladaptive. Maladaptive being... They are things that we had to have in order to protect us, or but they weren't, they're not exactly kingdom, and they weren't exactly right. Hey, I can't, I can't deal with people. It's my personality. I'm very sharp. Don't hold on too tightly to that. Then there's some things that really are your personality. I cannot try to be an introverted person even if I tried. <laughs> there was a time where I did try. I really wanted to be calm. I don't know if you guys have interacted with Luazi. Like a calm person, like calm person. Just I was like, I wish I was gentle and calm. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> and I've been told to tone down a lot of times. I can't. <laughs> but that's good. And it works wonderfully with the kids. I'm animated. I'm like this. And they engage. And I can bring them in and I can explain the gospel. I don't know how it goes with the youth. I get stares a lot. Auntie Aziva is extra, but it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. But understand your personality and where it suits you to serve. And, and the thing about personality, I think you're not one or the other, right? It's a continuum, it's a scale. And as we get older as well, things change. Maybe you were a bit disorganized as you get, were younger. Don't hold on to that too much. Allow Holy Spirit to change you, you know? Find out traits about your personality and exactly how they fit into, into, into your ministry, okay? There's a whole lot of interesting um, articles in the psychology around personality, but just a word of caution when it comes to psychology. Remember that it's not authority and it's not the word of God, okay? Okay. And then lastly, I want us to speak about our experiences because sometimes that is the most underrated thing. You think your life story and your testimony is just. Your experiences are also an indicator of the things that God can use to minister 
and advance his kingdom. Often we go through things, good or bad, because God is preparing us for certain things. And that's hard. And sometimes, I mean, God is not, is not necessarily sitting and orchestrating. I'm going to make sure that Uzo Gowa, so that, you know, I don't think God is malicious. <laughs> He's not sitting there planning your life in that way. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. But he makes all things work out for our good. So the life experiences that you have can be used to help others. If you have been through something, it is easy for others to relate to you and for you to minister effectively. I got excluded from university. And it was tough because you're coming from high school and you are amazing and you have all the A's and all the, 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 the you know, the certificate. And then university does this. First semester, exclusion letter. You are in academic danger. What do they call it? I don't even know. But you know that robot system that UKZN uses? But anyway, that you, warning, academic progress, what, what? I'm just like, right? And it's hard. And I got kicked out of university. I had to come back and start a whole new degree. But that experience, man, when I see students who are struggling academically and I see students who probably, like me, were in the wrong degrees to begin with, I reach out to them and I can relate to them and I can speak into their lives. And that has become a ministry. And it can become a ministry, actually. It becomes an experience, by the way, but it can actually become a ministry. Second Corinthians verses one, verse, um, chapter 1, verses 3 to 4 says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So even the painful experiences God can use for you to minister to people. Your spiritual experiences, meaningful decisions, how you came to know the Lord, your painful experiences, your educational experiences, I just shared mine, and any ministry experience that you have can be used as an experience to discover your ministry and to actually build a ministry around. So, and as I, as I conclude, I just, I, I just want to just reiterate some, some of the things that God has been saying in my heart. Just, it's all well and good and we can sit here and come here Sunday after Sunday and even after the sermon and be excited and be like, oh, that was so good, I see it was so good, it was her first time preaching. And go home and forget. But there's just such an urgency. There's such an urgency at this time, right now, to be a church that is alive, to be a people that are alive, that are doing what they're meant to be doing for this time. We need to be willing to move out of our comfort zones. We need courage when God calls us out of the places that we think we're supposed to be in. There's, a, there's a, a quote right at the end that speaks about how it takes courage to follow your calling. And I can attest to that. It takes great courage for men and women to discover their calling. After all, it may not be what you're doing now. And to face your calling squarely may cause some significant disruption in your life. Are we willing to be disrupted by the things of God, for God? 
because you have a plan. Hmm? You have a plan, and you have kids, and you have a bond, and you have, you know, whatever old grown-up people have. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but it really, it, it, it is, it is, it is a disruption. It disrupts us from the plans that we have for our lives and purposes. And what we end up then doing is living this life of compromise, right? Where we're trying to squeeze in God where we are. No, 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 this is what I'm doing. But sometimes I just squeeze in Jesus, far, far, and ministry becomes a byproduct and not the main thing. Advancing the kingdom of God is the main thing. It's not the side thing that eventually happens by chance. We strategically get into things and spaces and relationships and conversations and jobs and cities to advance the kingdom. We don't happen to stumble and reactively then, oh, and that requires courage and obedience and inconvenience. Before we know it, we can, we can miss it. We can know what we meant to do and never do it. And that is very possible. Discovering your ministry is a deliberate process that we need to engage with actively. Often we have to press into God, mature in our walk as we minister, get busy knowing God, and continue to know Him every day. Heal from whatever insecure attachment relationship thing, weird relationship you have with God. I just had a sense that a lot of us are living in this distrust with God. Lord, I trust you, but... And I pray this morning that God heals us from that, that we may believe and trust in the goodness of God and know that his plans for us are good. His thoughts and his plans for our lives are higher than we could ever imagine. So that in our planning, we, 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 we're not operating from a place of distrust and expecting disappointment. Because whatever he has for us and what he tells us to do is so much greater. Amen. Hey man, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> that's it, Bumpenis. I said small. Can we stand as well, Tanja? Okay? Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.